This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome to AutoCorrect, helping you correct your auto problems. I'm Liz Gill with the lady auto mechanic, Allison Walker, ASE certified mechanic. I hope your holidays are going well. We've got a full house at my home, so it's good to be at work after a lot of togetherness. But I love them very much. Today, I've taken bits and bobs of our past shows to create an end-of-the-year program to let folks hear about what you may have missed. Here's an introduction about Allison and how to find a mechanic. Well, we had a lot of love expressed to MPB on your behalf, but also a couple of concerns. They were worried that we were disrespecting you by calling you the lady auto mechanic because we don't call them the lady doctor or the lady veterinarian or the lady whatever. Tell us about your brand. It was literally a decision of, I think I'll get more calls if I call myself... A lady auto mechanic. Uh, We got a different sensibility, and it works. And when I know when people call me for car work, that they are already sold on the idea. So I don't have to say, "Well, I am a lady," or when they meet me, like, "Oh my God, wait a second. You know, it lets them know upfront what they're working with, and that it's a little different. It's a little bit. It is a little different the way that I do things. And and it's your brand, and you own it, and you're proud of it, and you like to advertise that. I do. That's that's it. your superiority. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> Thanks. What kind of gizmos uh, do they have for diagnosing cars? It's just the OBD2 monitors and like a tech needs to be good at learning how to read the lab scope and set the perimeters on that so you can see your what's happening with the car. So you got to get good at that. So that's a whole skill set in itself is learning how to use the OBD2 with all the the little diagnostic tools that it has built into those, and they are expensive. And that's where they have the, the check engine codes and check things? Check engine code. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, let's go to the Gulf Coast to Harry. Uh, thanks for calling into AutoCorrect. You're on the air. Hey, how are you guys? Hey, Allison. Look, Great. I've got a leak. I don't have anyone I can trust down here. That's the hardest problem is finding an actual decent mechanic who's not a shade tree and not the dealership. There's no happy medium around me. Well, we were going to talk about that for a second, so I'll just tip into that real quick. We were going to bring up how you find a good mechanic, and one thing that I've always noticed over the years, if they're passionate about it, they will not shut up talking to you when you're (laughs) just sitting there asking them about their cars. You know they care. You know they're knowledgeable. You know they do their research. If they're kind of brusque with you and pushing you away, then they're probably not passionate. They've probably lost their passion somewhere, and they're just kind of okay. So you need you need a, a good mechanic to help you figure that out where you're not replacing components that you don't need to replace. Okay. You know, you're very welcome. So that kind of takes us into some of the questions, the different kinds of mechanics. There are mechanics who specialize in air conditioning? Yes, they're really good at it, and that's there are some shops. There, I wouldn't say there's shops 
specifically with AC, but that's the main thing they do, and they do a little bit of this and that too, but it will literally state AC and heat, your AC and heating system. All right. All right, and that's what you want to look for, that specific thing. Okay. Because AC systems are interesting. Right. It takes experience right. to, to know them well, where you're not just replacing components. Right. You know, you're figuring out exactly what it is. So. And we were talking about uh, one of the callers mentioned a, a shade tree mechanic, and I guess that's your Uncle Bubba who will, uh, you know, ask you to pull into the shade to check your engine. Right. But then there are individuals who, mechanics who work for a dealer, who work at a dealer shop. Uh, what all kind of chains also are there separate from dealers, automotive? What types of chain stores are there? What different ones. Well, you've got like your, your tire guys like Firestone and stuff like that. But for like diagnostic, if you have electrical problem, mm-hmm. there's automotive electrical. Okay. Um, if you have a suspension problem, mm-hmm. there are suspension shops out there okay. that mainly do brakes and suspension. That's, right. a, that's a segment. On the ASC test, right. it's broken into electrical, brakes, and um, suspension and steering together. And you have your automatic transmission, your standard transmission. Transmission shops are going to be the same ones together. You have exhaust shops. Wow. Uh-huh. So when I have an exhaust problem, I have a specific shop that I go to just for that. Right. And it can be something minor with your exhaust. Um, you have rear end for your your um, drive shaft and right. your differential. And there is a shop just for that. Okay. So your different little areas. So you got a lot of different things. And, and most of them are independent shops. And then you do have like the chain shops. I, I always recommend finding a good independent shop. It's my favorite. They're going right. to, they're more personable and you're dealing with a, a direct person and probably the owner. And then you've got your dealerships, which your dealerships are actually, they really don't handle as much as you, you would think they do or you wish they did. <laughs> they are, they're really dealing with like really basic stuff on a day-to-day basis and that what they do. And they're only learn that car or those, those line of cars. So they, they're not really dealing with a bunch of different stuff. So right. a lot of times the independent shop is better for a weird problem or something Okay, like that. Well, and that's what we hope this show will be for our listeners. We hope you can call in with your question and Allison can help direct you to the correct type of mechanic that can help you solve your problem. We have an email. It's from Tim. It says, hey, ladies, great show. Today's the first time I've heard it. I'm new to the area and I'm trying to find a shop to work on my 2015 VW. Thanks. What do you recommend to Tim on finding uh, or a repair shop? Uh, find, a rep- find someone passionate uh, about it. We've mentioned during the show that Allison is ASE certified, which is short for the National Institute of Automotive Service Excellence. And since 1972, that independent nonprofit organization has worked to improve the quality of vehicle repair and service by testing and certifying automotive professionals. So it's a way to show the world you're taking a test and someone believes in your abilities. Is that yes. right? Yes. And that you're serious. Um, and every mechanic, I know that I, I really do like what they're doing and I feel like I can respect what they're saying more. It, they are ASE certified. That is important. And this, I and believe, Tests are hard. <laughs> it's like a, every five years, every five or years. you have to get recertified, so you know that that mechanic is staying uh, abreast of new changes. Yeah. And I had to study like crazy for it. I mean, you didn't see me without my automotive thick textbook <laughs> for months. You know, I love 
education. And when there's a professional organization that says, here, this is a person we think has done a good job, while uh, your Uncle Bubba may be a good car mechanic, if you want to find someone who's been tested, that might be a good way to look for a dealer, a technician, to work on your vehicle. Come back from our break. We'll continue to hear some great snatches of calls from our past shows. A regular feature of our program is letting you know cars that are under recall. Is your car under recall? We have a list of the ones that are when we come back. And if you have a problem with your car, you can send us an email anytime. The address is auto at mpbonline.org. You're listening to AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. No matter if you use an app to start your car or still have a flip phone, Everyday Tech can decipher today's technology for tomorrow's solutions. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or the MPB public media app. Welcome back to AutoCorrect with Allison Walker, the lady auto mechanic. I'm Liz Gill. If you can't listen to our show all the way through live, find our podcast. That's my suggestion. If you have an iPhone or an iPad, on your home screen, you find the purple Apple podcast icon. You tap it to open the Apple podcast app. And then to find the podcast you want, type the search, the magnifying glass in the lower right corner. And then in the search bar, type in the show's name, like autocorrect. And then when the logo for the show appears, you tap on it. Then you go to the page for the show and hit the subscribe button. And you can start listening right away if you just tap on any of the episodes. Now, if you have an Android phone, on your home screen, find the Google Podcast icon. Or if you go to Google Play, you can download a different free podcasting platforms. There's a lot of them. You can tap to open the app. And then to find the podcast you want, once again, you tap the search, the little magnifying glass, and then in the search bar, type in exactly the name of the the show's name, like autocorrect. And then when the logo for the show appears, you tap on it. Then you can go to that page for the show and hit the subscribe button. And to start listening right away, you just tap on any of the episodes. I like to listen to podcasts when I cook. And this year, this holiday season, we're all about the Christmas cookies. So I uh, had my podcast listening while we cut out the Christmas cookies. But I just realized I need to get a car. I need to get a cookie cutter shaped like a car. One of the regular features of AutoCorrect is letting you know about recent vehicle recalls. You can find out if your car has been recalled specifically by typing in your vehicle ID, uh, your VIN number on the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration website. And to find that, that's NH. T 
ntsa.gov slash recalls. And that's where you can find out specifically if your car is being recalled. It would uh, behoove you to go to the nhtsa.gov slash recalls to type in your VIN number to see if your car is being recalled. It's a good idea to make sure your dealer or the manufacturer of your car knows your address so you can get updates about recalls or go check out your own VIN number. So maintenance is important for your car. We're going to have a discussion today from uh, some past shows about maintenance. I have a 2011 Lincoln Town Car. That's the last year they made them. I am a big person and I love this car. It now has 90,000 miles on it and I would like to have it have a couple hundred thousand more. Any suggestions on what I should do in general to keep it running at peak performance for the next five or ten years? I love this question. It's one of my favorite things to talk about in one area I specialize in is how to keep your car going for as long as possible. Well, the first thing that I tell people, and this is in general, is just let your car warm up for just a minute and a half before you take off and drive in it, before you push the gas pedal. Crank your car up. Then put your seatbelt on. Then put your phone in your charger. Then adjust your mirrors. Check your makeup. I know you're not doing that, but you know. (laughs) (laughs) And do all your adjustments and get everything situated. Check your mirrors. And that's about a minute and a half. That's how long it takes from your oil to get to the top of your engine from the oil pan. That's how long it takes for like your head gasket to warm up and seal up. And then plus all the other gaskets and seals in your car. O-rings. There's so many of them. That just you just give it that minute and a half to warm up and then put it in reverse drive drive it slowly till it gets to operating temperature drive it really gently and then after that you can pretty much race it um everything's sealed up tight and good and that i learned that a long time ago from racing cars that's a race car tip so that you get your compression so you keep your compression tight on your car so that's a good tip other than that all your fluids need changed at some interval you just need to know when that is and you're at ninety thousand. i hope you've already done a transmission service that has a differential rear differential on that car um, it's rear wheel drive so i'm hoping you've had those fluids changed uh that's important having your brake fluid changed every two to three years because uh, that's based on years not mileage uh, i do like the fuel injector cleaners the fuel system cleaner from seafoam and I also... Is that something you put in with your gasoline? That is. That is. And you just follow the instructions on that. Um, you know, you can pretty much use that as much as you want. And, you, you know, you get it at auto parts store. The other thing that I see people, they, they never tend to do, but it's so important for a car, is to do an intake clean where all your air comes into your car. There's a wonderful product from CRC that's called Throttle Intake. And that goes through your intake valves and your whole intake system, which all gets dirty and gunky just like a ceiling fan does when it's blowing around in the air. It it makes your car run better. It gives you better gas mileage. It just cleans everything up. And I'll mention one more while thinking about it is the PCV valve, which gets ignored. It's a $10 valve. It keeps the crankcase pressures from getting too big. And when they get too intense in there and build up too much, and they don't have a way out of the crankcase, that makes oil leaks happen. So your car is much more likely to get oil leaks if you never change that PCV valve. So that's one 
something. Particular type of oil that you recommend? I do recommend uh, full synthetic for everyone. You can go straight to full synthetic um, on any car. On any car, just use your weight that you've been using for your previous car. They have it for every weight they have for conventional oil. They have it for synthetic oil, and it does prolong the life of your car. It does have a longer life. Synthetic oil lasts a lot longer than conventional oil, but it makes your car run smoother, better gas mileage, and it lubricates better. That's great. Thank you for the information. It's hopefully very helpful. Let's go to Nelson. Nelson, thanks for calling in from Pontotoc. We're glad you're part of AutoCorrect today. Go ahead. Yes, okay. Thank you. Yes, uh, I was just going to say that I wholeheartedly agree with the maintenance, you know, factor. Uh, I've had this car since I won. It was a used car. I got about 26,000 miles on it. And uh, I've always kept it, you know, well-maintained. The only thing that's ever got 302,000 miles and gets around 25 miles to the gallon. Does uh, it really? That's a V8. It's a V8. Wow. It, it has. It had. It was getting around 26 or 27. But I drive in town a lot. I'm driving in Memphis a lot now. It's um, actually got 24.8 on it right now. It's averaging around 25. Anyway, the only thing I've ever had uh, uh, wrong with it was a fuel pump. I had to put a replace a fuel pump, and um, it um, it was stolen once, and they ran it across the ditch, and uh, it didn't do any, hardly any damage except to the, you know, the front uh, bumper and stuff. So uh, it has had some running on it. I drive it to Memphis or New Orleans or just anywhere I want to. So it's awesome. good. But the maintenance is the main thing, I think. I wonder, because a fuel filter, if you don't replace it, and that's a car that has one that you can replace on it outside uh-huh. of the tank, will make your uh-huh. fuel pump work harder and make them go out. Uh-huh. So that's a regular maintenance that, that okay. gets left off. Um, right, and I was going to say it uses, it's gotten to where it uses a, a good bit of oil around three quarts, you know, between uh, changes like 3,000 miles. And I wondered if that PC ventilation valve, you know, might, it, does it have one? Yes. Uh, pretty much all cars do. Uh, that was the first thing that they ever used for emissions because they used to just let it vent outside the engine. But then they, so they run it into the intake with the little valve. Um, as far as it uses it off of that, if it's going through the PCV valve and that valve is stuck open, then it's just constantly pushing, uh, oil through it. But you can take the line off and rub your finger in there and see if it's got a lot of oil. You can look in your throttle body and see if there's oil going in there and see if that's how it's using it. But otherwise, it could be using it from the oil ring on the pistons and it's getting in your combustion chamber and burning. And it may not be enough to smoke, but it's enough that it's causing a lot of oil usage. That's another way. Or an oil leak, if you have an oil leak somewhere. So those are three different common places for oil usage on older vehicles. So you you may have a situation where it's time to rebuild the engine or or replace Uh it. Or you may have a simple fix when you get get lucky and it's something simple. Like the PCV valve is just stuck open. Uh Well, it runs fine otherwise. I mean, it's smooth. It's just like, you know, like it was when I first got it. I believe it. Those are tanks. Those are good cars. Yeah, that's the cop cars. That's a crown big cop car on a frame. Well, somebody stole it and they ran from cops, but they they caught them. (laughs) Anyway. Okay, well, Well, thank you so much. You're welcome. Um, Y'all love the show. Thank you. Uh Uh-huh. 
Michael, we're so glad you've called into AutoCorrect today. What's your question or comment? Uh, thank you, thank you. Um, I have a 2006 Ford Ranger four-cylinder, and uh, it, uh, sometimes it has trouble starting up. Uh, it can be hot. It can be cold. Uh, sometimes it takes like seven seconds of the starter just going, and it won't it won't start. But other times it'll just uh, jump right on, and I'm wondering uh, what's going on with that. Is that regular maintenance, oil changes, tune-ups, spark plugs, fuel filters, it works. And uh, uh, what's, what's going on? Okay, you said it's a 2006, so um, is it actually the starter is always cranking the engine, but sometimes it doesn't turn over? Uh, right, yeah, 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 it just, it just won't. Right, so you don't have a starter right. problem. Your or starter's that. always doing its job. Right. I want to make sure I'm correct on that. Well, um, something I'm dealing with on a, a car I'm working on now, one of mine, is the fuel pressure regulator will not keep the pressure on the fuel rail, so it'll take a second. It takes a, it, not a second. It takes probably about 10 seconds for it to start sometimes or, you know, a little less than that, but definitely longer than it should, and it causes other problems like stalling, it, it trying to stall and stuff like that. That's something to look at. So those pressure regulators will get gunked up. Um, other than that, I would have to look at it further and see, see what's going on with it. But the pressure regulator is really easy to replace, and um, and they just get gunked up and go bad, and they get gunked up like everything does in your, your system system on your car, on your fuel fuel system. And that's why fuel cleaner is a good thing to add to your system regularly. But that's that's just throwing that out there as far as not being able to look at the car myself. That's something I'm dealing with right now. Okay, cool. And uh, that's a very, like the, very high possibility. The Lucas Cleaner or the Seafoam, are those good options? I don't think that, that, at this point, once it's that far gone, when you actually start having problems, those, those are preventative measures. They keep it from happening, but once it's already gotten to where it's acting up, then you have to replace the component that that's causing the problem. So if you have an injector that's stuck or something like that, those can cause um, your, it, it can read a misfire code on your car, but that, um, you know, those are preventive measures to keep them from gunking up, but once they've already gotten to that point, you, you have to go ahead and fix whatever the component is acting All up. Right. Well, uh, thank you very much for taking my call. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. Good luck with that. Thank you. When we come back from our break, we've got this week's suggested app to help you drive. And we can't take your calls today, but you can send your questions to our email address, auto at mpbonline.org. You're listening to AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. The information presented on this program is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult an appropriate professional for guidance about your concerns. contractor ever tell you the price of something and it sounds so high you think, eh, maybe I'll try it myself. Some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. Hey! 
Thank you for listening to AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. Allison Walker, the lady auto mechanic, is our expert. I'm Liz Gill. I hope you've downloaded our app, the MPB Public Media app. It's at the Google Play Store for Android and iTunes for Apple products. The app has local shows on demand. We've got links to our national programs, and you can find the schedule for MPB Television, the Create channel, the PBS Kids TV channel, and you can watch MPB programs on demand, PBS shows, and kid programs all on the MPB public media app. So speaking of apps, one of our regular features is talking about apps to help you drive. The website The Balance has the best car buying apps for the year, and they came out with the suggestion of uh, the Kelly Blue Book app. Then what they say is this app, what this app lacks in pizzazz, it makes up for in brand power. As any aspiring car owner knows, before you place an offer on a car, you should always check the Kelly Blue Book value. And now you can do so without opening your laptop or booting up your desktop. In addition to the standard comparison shopping that other apps offer, KBB also features a slew of informational videos as well as recommendation for local dealerships. So that was a suggestion from the website The Balance on a good app, especially if you're buying a car. Now, we bring you a nice variety of questions today from AutoCorrect that we've received this year. We can't take your calls today, but you can send your questions to our email address. It's auto at mpbonline.org. There was a lot of discussion this year about the check engine light. And so here's a sample of that talk. This morning, we're going to talk about the check engine light. Tell us about some of the lights on the dashboard. Some dashboards say check engine. Right. Some say check engine. What about a maintenance? Some show a little engine. Okay. A show an engine. Is that, that's a check engine? It's a good reason to read your owner's money, so you know what that is. (laughs) Um, And you always want to see that light when you turn your key to the own position. You want to see it come on and off. So if you never see that, then you know your little lamp's not working. You could have a check engine light and not know it. That actually happens fairly often. Um, if it says service engine soon, mm-hmm. that is also serious. That's a check engine light. It means it has set a diagnostic trouble code. Okay. A DTC. Now, if it says maintenance required, it's just a reminder, and usually that comes on every 5,000 to remind you to rotate tires and you know, see if you need to change your oil, check your air filter, and stuff like that. That's just that's just a mileage-based reminder. It's not. It does not check your oil and say, hey, it's time to check your oil. Oh, it's just okay. literally a mileage-based reminder. Let's go to Robert in Starkville. Robert, thanks for calling into AutoCorrect. Go ahead. I have a 2004 GMC pickup truck, and occasionally it will lose power in, say, reduced engine power or a low engine. I'm not exactly sure what it says, but it, it says that, and then it won't accelerate or anything. I can shut it down for a while, crank it back up, and it runs fine. Okay. It's going into limp mode. It's what it is. So there's some problem that's causing that. Do you, so you do have a check 
check engine light on? I know the check engine light comes on the case sometimes, and sometimes yeah. it doesn't. Now, yeah. The second motor in this truck, just so you know, it's got okay. 30,000. It's got a ton of miles on it. Okay. 330,000 miles on it, but it doesn't do it all the time. But as soon as I so that's, put it down, it'll just sit for a while, and then it'll crank back up and run fine. Okay. Well, so for an intermittent problem like that, and it sounds like what it is, there's literally protocols for that. So if you um, take it to GMC, they will be able to see what those codes were. Even though the code is not owned, it's still saved in your computer, whatever happened. It saves okay. that. And that information will be there. They can look at that, and that will help them diagnose that intermittent problem. And then they literally have a list of things that they go through specifically for intermittent. Well, the handheld devices, like from AutoZone or somewhere like that, will let us save those stored ones, or will I need to go to the Chevrolet or GMC place for that? You, you can go to an independent shop also. So just by the way, but um, they'll show you the code. It won't really tell you what's going on. And, and as far as showing you the freeze frame data, some do, some don't. Okay. So you can get it read and see if it'll show you at uh, O'Reilly's or whatnot. Or, right. you know, go ahead and take it to a shop and get it completely diagnosed. I, I'd recommend go ahead and getting that diagnosed because it sounds like, uh, you know, something that's it's kind of serious, but it's just intermittent. But you don't want to get stuck. All right. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Let's go ahead with Pat. Thanks for calling into AutoCorrect. Oh, you're welcome. I have a check engine light that comes on. It used to come on and not stay on too long, but I did go to one of the auto supply stores, and they told me that it was the first code that came up was a catalytic converter issue. Of course, the dealership wants you to bring it in and let them diagnose it and tell you what they want to do to it. I've also had a brother-in-law who's a pretty savvy car guy tell me that I don't have to get a catalytic converter replaced. Just wondering, is that true? How serious okay. is it to drive around with the engine light on? Okay. The thing is, the catalytic converter is not going to mess up unless there's a problem with your engines. For some reason or another, too much fuel is getting to the catalytic converter, and it's melting the inside of it. So you need to find out what the actual problem is that's causing that check engine light. There's some sort of misfire. For some reason, there's unburned fuel getting through your engine and back to your catalytic converter. And it may be a little bit minor right now, but as soon as that light starts flashing, you've got imminent failure of catalytic converter, and they run about $1,500. When you have a code that's about the catalytic converter, it can either be an oxygen sensor or you actually have a problem. You do need to take that to a shop and get that fixed. That's one that I would consider serious. Okay. Because it's not emissions. That It is emissions. It's catalytic converter, but it's a very expensive emissions problem compared to a lot of the other ones. Honestly, you may just need a tune-up with some spark plugs and, and air filter and stuff like that. Usually that's what it is, is people are past their tune-up and their spark plugs have gotten bad and they're not sparking that fuel or not sparking it strong enough and it's still fuel coming through and it's melting your catalytic converter. It's causing damage to your catalytic converter is showing off 
off readings for it, and so that could be what it is. Okay, to me, what I heard is the catalytic converter is like the canary in the coal mine. If the catalytic converter dies, well, you may want to get it replaced because of what the catalytic converter does, but it died because of something else, a a more serious problem. Mm -hmm. And you have to get them fixed when they they break. You you can't ignore it. Uh, I'm not going to tell you the shade tree mechanic way around that because that defeats the emissions purposes of the catalytic converter. But uh, if it stops up, your car can't run correctly. (laughs) It'll stop. All right. Well, that's that's good to know. We're not live today, but we've got some post-Christmas car news when we come back from our last break. We can't take your calls, but you can send your questions to our email address. That's auto at mpbonline.org. This is AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On the original Southern Remedy, we answer questions about all aspects of your health and share some of the latest medical information in the news. You can listen to the show on Wednesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. Welcome back to AutoCorrect. If you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show at autocorrect.mpbonline.org. And MPB's website has a lot of information. Each local show has the list of past programs that you can access. There's a new section for reports concerning the entire state of Mississippi. You can learn about our MPB and national TV programs. You can read up on what MPB's education department is doing. There's a Getting to Work initiative, e-learning for educators, Kids Club, PBS Parents, and much, much more. You can also make your tax-deductible contributions to MPB from the main website, mpbonline.org. I'm Liz Gell. I'm the host of AutoCorrect. The lady auto mechanic, Allison Walker, ASE certified mechanic, is our expert. We've got some past questions we're listening to today to close out the year. More and more folks are buying electric cars or hybrids. That means batteries. We've had a few calls about that topic, and we'd like to share them with you. And also, some calls about regular car batteries. Let's go to Amy in Ocean Springs. Amy, thanks for calling in to AutoCorrect. Go ahead. Hi, thank you. Um, I have a 2005 Prius, and the hybrid battery has gone out for the second time. The first time it was under warranty, but the second time it wasn't. And the dealership quoted me between four and $5,000 with labor. 
for a new battery. But since then, I hear that the batteries have gone down in price. I just want to know if you think it's worth it for me to spend the money or repair the battery. And I mean, because the car is, you know, older. Test the individual sales in the battery. So the battery itself doesn't go bad. The individual sales go bad. Right. And you can replace those, and they're only about $60 for the actual sale. The labor to find that shouldn't be, to figure out which one it is, shouldn't be that much. So the thing is, dealerships, like, they don't do that type of diagnostics at dealerships, so they just replace the whole thing. I wish they'd kind of get out of that practice because it's putting a bad taste in so many people's mouths about hybrids. Hybrids are awesome, and it's just a minor problem. I mean, I went ahead, and it's been a couple of years, but it's still sitting in my yard, and I've even thought about donating it to NPR. But um, awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks. Let's go to Mike in Corinth. Mike, thanks for calling in to uh, AutoCorrect. What's your comment or question? Yes, I have a 2009 Toyota Prius with 205,000 miles on it. Uh, Does it give any warning on the panel before the hybrid batteries start to go out or before the cranking battery starts to go out? For the cranking battery, yeah, just like an older car. So for anyone with a hybrid, you have a regular battery, like an old school regular car. As far as it giving a warning on that, you know, I have a 2009 Prius. I know there is codes for a hybrid system problem. And I want to say it does give you a warning. Like if you're starting to have a, a cell go out in your hybrid battery, it lets you know that it is. And you got to go ahead and get it fixed before it stops the car because it will stop. And then you can't drive it. And I've heard of our hybrids going well over 500,000 miles without a problem with those hybrid batteries. That tended to be a problem of your earlier models, your first-gen Prius, your second-gen Prius, and we have the third-gen, I believe. So that was a problem that they have really honed down, and it's not near as much of a problem with hybrids. And and I think that's kept a lot of people from getting hybrids, but they're they're awesome, and they have advanced their technology a lot from the first generations that came out. I was wondering if it might be something on the, you know, when you have look at the control panel and it shows the battery and sometimes when you get in the car and start, it'll go from purple to blue and mm-hmm. wind up in the green zone. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering if any of those colors mean anything as far as uh, the life of the battery. No, as far as I know, they don't. When it starts getting bad, it's going to set a code and set off, you know, you know set off a check engine light just like a a regular car as far as that goes as far as i know that display doesn't show like um how much life is left in your battery that's just it charging or not i had a problem with my car and i had to replace the engine and transmission in it that it was not charging that battery uh, because of the problems in it that battery where it says how much energy or how much is how much it's charged, it was not charging up, and I knew that we had a serious problem then. So I was noticing it wasn't charging, and I you know I knew my my problem was serious, so I went ahead and replaced the the engine and transmission. But that was related to another problem too. Okay, well, you've answered all my questions. I appreciate your your help. Okay, you're very welcome. Sue, thanks so much for calling into AutoCorrect today. Go ahead. 
How are you today? Fantastic. Hey, okay. All right. This is about my husband's pet car. It's a 1995 uh, Park Avenue Buick. And uh, it, he claims it's got a short, and we've been to everybody, and we can't find a short. Uh, it won't char- keep a charge at all, hardly. Like, he's got the charger on it right now. And uh, it just it just bugs him that he doesn't know what it is. <laughs> So we're, we're, he thinks it's something to do with the security system because we used to have it parked where the uh, motion light would come on if, you know, something there, and it seemed like it was worse then, but now we've got it parked where it's not. That's not a problem. So we don't know what it is, but uh, we want to know where to look. <laughs> okay. Well, um, something I do when a car, when a battery won't stay charged is you might have a parasitic drain, and you can take a a temperature gauge, the the um, laser temperature gauges, and put it on your fuse box. And we, after you turn your car off, you can see which one is the hottest, and th- that means that system is still on. So you can kind of uh, just break it down to what system is staying on if it's a parasitic drain. But that's confusing um, to explain over the air. And uh, You might understand what I'm talking about, but that's breaking it down to the system that's staying on. But what I would do is take it to an automotive electrical shop, and they should be able to fix that fairly easily, I would assume. Okay. I think I don't so know much. if y'all have tried that yet. But well, no, we just take it to regular old mechanics is what we take it to. I mean, we've taken it to the, you know, to the Buick place, and we've taken it to a, a person that we always go to, and we've taken it to lots of different places. But um, I would take it to an automotive electrical shop Okay. And, and go through that way. They should be able to track it down a lot, lot easier. Oh, okay. Now, how much it costs, I don't know. Electrical problems can be a little bit expensive because sometimes you'll you'll find you can isolate the system say like on my dodge van i have a, a similar situation that will not stay charged and i put a temperature gauge on there and i and i pointed at each of my fuses till i found out it was the wiper circuit that affects my windows also so somewhere in that circuit it has a a short to copper which should be it's going to power and it's making it stay on even when the key was out of the car so um but to track that down and actually fix that i don't know how long it would take i just disconnect my battery while it's sitting and uh and and hook it back up when i'm ready to drive my van because it, it can be really hard to actually track it down and find it but good luck with that and i recommend an automotive electrical shop okay great thank you so much i appreciate your help You're welcome. Okay, bye-bye. Ron, thanks for calling in today. I've got a 2015 Hyundai Sonata, and I had to put a battery in this car yesterday. And instead of having the old wet cell in it, they've got some kind of a new high-performance battery in it. That son of a gun was almost $200. Is this a new trend, or is this just something that's in the Hondas? Well, all batteries today, if you think about it, lighter the battery, lower cost of the battery. Batteries are full of lead and acid, and so if you get a heavy battery that has more amperage because batteries run off amperage. They all have 12 volts, but it's according how much amperage each battery has to start that car. And that is 
that's what you're paying for is the more amperage of the battery, the cold cranking amps. Well, I'm almost 70 years old, so I've been around a long time with the old wet cell batteries, and this is just, it just caught me off guard. I never paid that much attention to the battery before, but it just didn't want to crank right, so I said, well, at my age, I don't want to get stuck somewhere, so I just had to put another battery in it, but and that's it right. kind of caught me off guard. Yeah, they're pretty expensive, and uh, like I say, you can get one that is not as expensive for like two years or three years, but now batteries go up to five and seven year batteries. Three year completely replaceable ones. So yes. It, you know, it wasn't bottom of the line or anything like that, but it, I just I just not heard anything about it. It was just something new. They're changing with the different ways that the uh, cards and the electronics right now is because uh, instead of having our old um, voltage regulator like they used to, now the computer operates the uh, generator or alternator to tell how much voltage is going in that battery only when it needs it. Yeah, well, that was the reason I went ahead and changed this one out is because I knew with the new computers in it, if you don't have a, a decent charge in it, that, that the car is just going to quit. It's not like it was in the old days. You know, once you got it cranked up, it would run even if the alternator was not putting out like it was supposed to. Right. Um, but with the new computers, it's you got to have a good charger. It's just not going to run. You're exactly right. It'll go into uh, limp mode is what it's called and just to get you to the shop. All right. Well, appreciate your show. Thank you so much. Bye. Hey, thanks for calling into AutoCorrect this morning. Go ahead. Hi, I have a battery question. Everybody always uses my car to jump off whatever is dead. And I keep telling people like my son not to do that because it's going to hurt the battery in my car. Am I telling him a story or is it going to make my battery as unreliable as theirs? And then I have a second question. When we were at the dealer with my husband's truck, it was dead and the guy came out with a suitcase like thing and started the battery right up without jumper cables. Is that something I should look at getting into? Yes, the first thing that you can talk about is that the jumping off somebody else's vehicle with your vehicle, that's not going to hurt your vehicle unless they uh, hook the battery cables up backwards and then if they hook the battery cables up backwards it will either blow up fuse or fry your computer in your car. So, your owner's manual. (laughs) You just got to make sure that somebody knows what they're doing when they uh, use your car to jump off a car that's dead. And what about this magic suitcase? Well, what that suitcase is, it is called a jump box, and it has a lot of amperage in it. And once again, a lot of people are using those. That's what we use at the school to jump off cars. But the main thing is that they can, they have a 24-volt and a 12-volt switch on it, and it's according which switch you have to be careful once again if you use a jump box as well. And you need to make sure that the positive and negative are connected correctly. So what does the car use, the 24 or 12? Uh, cars use 12 volts. Okay. So that's okay. You just got to be a... I live on a farm, so it would, it, it, we're always jumping something. Yeah, the jump box would be good for that uh, because you can carry it around and it holds a charge uh, quite a bit. And they go up to 1,000 amps or more. So that, a jump box would be really good for that. Okay, great. Well, I really, really appreciate that because I am a complete idiot when it comes to cars. So, thank you very much. Thank you. That last expert was from our broadcast with Charlie Melton, automotive instructor at the Clinton High School Career Complex, when he was our guest. 
And that'll wrap us up for today's AutoCorrect. For Allison Walker, who you can follow on Facebook, Snapchat, and Instagram as The Lady Auto Mechanic, I'm Liz Gill. Join us every Thursday at 10 a.m. for AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.